The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. It is a very busy news day today and I've just been watching in the, the news bulletin. It lasted the duration of the news bulletin, a very quick appearance in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court today. Two people arrested for aiding and abetting Tabo Bester's escape from the Mangaung Correctional Facility. Nandipa Mahurumana's father appearing in court today and he looked forlorn. He really, really cut a, 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 a very sad figure in the doctor day. He appeared alongside a former G4S security company employee. So the two men appearing in court today, uh, that matter has now been, uh, been postponed. It looks like they've been remanded in custody. So it looks like they are not applying for bail as of yet. We are going to speak to our reporter uh, on the scene there, Khamotum uh, Dice is in court for us in Bloemfontein. So a very quick appearance today. But the fact that Nandipa Mahurumana's father is now in the dock, that he has appeared in court in the dock. And there are so many questions lingering around this. Of course, that news breaking at the weekend that both, uh, both Besta and Mahurumana Mahurumana and a Mozambican national were arrested in Tanzania at the weekend. An excellent work done by private intelligence officials and by police as well. And a delegation now uh, has gone to Tanzania to ensure that they are brought back to South Africa. Of course, this is a deportation. It is not, um, we don't need to apply for them to be extradited. It's going to be a deportation. But there are still questions around this. When are Besta and Dr. Nandipa going to be back in South Africa? Are police looking to make more Arrests. Um, also, this other question that's been lingering around Dr. Nandipa's identity and the fact that she may have stolen this identity uh, from one of her colleagues. Also, an issue around a car that was abandoned in Zimbabwe. Oren Singh, EWN senior reporter in studio with us to answer some of these questions. Uh, Oren, we keep saying, and we are amused by this when, in fact, we shouldn't be amused. It's very worrying, in fact, the, the way that this has, has played out. Um, it's so many twists and turns but there are still a lot of questions lingering around Tabo Besta. I think uh, that's 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 so true Mandy and um, you know that's the same thing that we're trying to figure out on this end of the world while Tanzanian journalists are trying to figure out on that side of the world. We know it's only three hours from South Africa to Tanzania but the Tanzanian authorities have basically been very tight-lipped about this. They don't want to give local journalists any information as to where um, Besta and Magudumana were actually arrested. We know that they were trying to flee the country or it's alleged that they were trying to flee the country into Kenya and it's most likely that they would have been arrested in an area called Arusha. Now Arusha is one of the popular tourist destinations in Tanzania. It's uh, where Mount Kilimanjaro is. A lot of tourists uh, go to that area of Tanzania to visit it and actually climb the mountain, the highest peak in Africa. But it's not 100% confirmed where they were. Now, uh, Brigadier Marte, when she had spoken earlier on 702, she said that, you know, the delegation that left South Africa and went over to Tanzania had gone to the Arusha Correctional Facility and they had gone there to, I'm not sure whether to see Beste and Magudumana, but just to go and meet with Tanzanian authorities there. Prior to that, um, Besta and Magudumana with their Mozambican accomplice were being kept in a holding cell. And uh, due to, you know, the fact that these, these, well, Besta himself has escaped prison before, um, they mm. said, no, let's, let's shift him over to a proper correctional facility where we can keep him under heavy police guard.
So do we know at this stage um, when they may be returning? Uh, you've spoken to a journalist in Tanzania as well. Do we have any indication about any of that? Well, look, from what police have been able to tell us, and I think that was the latest that Brigadier Marte had given uh, an update on 702 this morning, was that they're trying to get them into the country this week. And I think given the court case that are happening right now with with um, Magadumana's father being arrested and, we you know, the former G4S employee also being arrested and appearing in court, um, I think they just want to get everything um, and everyone here. But we're not sure whether there are going to be more arrests, Mandy. And that's the thing as well. You know, in the past, police have told us, give us space to do our investigations. Yep. Let us do our investigations. That's been the same thing South African police have been telling us. They haven't been giving us more information. So regarding more arrests, who knows? Uh, and you've had a conversation with Tabo Bester's mother as well. What has she been saying? So, so Bester's mom, uh, Maria Mabasso, obviously she's, she's very, she's very hurt by everything that's been happened as a mother, as you, as you can imagine. She last saw him when he was 17 years old. So that's quite some time back. And she's saying, I asked her this morning, I said, you know, are you going to be going to the court case? And she said, when he eventually comes back into the country. And she said, downright, no. She says, first and foremost, she can't do this in front of cameras. She can't do this with her face being plastered everywhere. She will see him at a later stage, possibly mm. visit him in prison or when he's in a holding cell. But she would not be able to go to court. She says going to court will be the death of her, hmm. in her own words. Oren, thank you so much. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, with some of those questions that are still lingering. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we did see two people appearing in court. Now, very quick court appearance in the Bloemfontein Magic. Court. One was Nandipa Mukhurumana's father, the other a former G4S a security company employee. Uh, EWN reporter Khomoto Madi says in court for us. Khomoto, thank you. I'm sure that was a mad scramble for you after that court appearance. So thanks for, for making time. Briefly, uh, what did the magistrate tell the two accused? Good afternoon, Mandy. I don't know if you can hear me. I'm trying to get away from all the noise. Uh, perfect, perfect. Go ahead. All right, so um, so two of the men uh, appeared in court today. The first being that former uh, Mangaung G4S employee, Sinohe Ismail Matwara. He's a 39-year-old man that was apprehended at the weekend. And so shortly after his arrest, we saw the arrest of um, the father of uh, Dr. Nandi Pamakunimana. And that is, I just want to make sure I was there right, it's Cornelius Sekeleni. He, the 65-year-old man, also in the dock today. And um, we heard that uh, the main charges that they're facing um, is uh, aiding the escape of a convict from custody, defeating the administration of justice, as well as fraud. It seems Sekeleni has also been charged with fraud. That's according to the charge sheet that I have before me. And so they made a brief appearance today in the magistrate's court. We heard from um, the uh, uh, prosecutor who said that they're planning to have a bail hearing on the 17th which is next week on Monday. Um, we heard from him saying it's a possible bail hearing. However, both lawyers for both of the men say um, the state has had ample time to familiarize mm. itself with this, this case. So they should be ready to proceed with a bail hearing next week. Okay. We have plans how the G4S employee Mandy was stationed in the Bloomington area um, for work. And so it wouldn't be productive for him to be detained here as well. He'll be kept in Brantford while uh, Sikileni will be kept at a facility here in Brantford.
Khomotso, thank you. Khomotso Modise, EWN reports in court for us. Uh, that for me was very important. The fact that the G4S security employee is not being kept in Bloemfontein. He's being kept in Brantford. Um, and that was a request from the prosecuting authority, as the magistrate said at the end, because that would be the first conclusion we would draw, right? Is that surely if he knows everyone on the inside, he too could escape from, from prison uh, while he awaits uh, some kind of bail application. So that's where we are at the moment. Nandipa Mahuramana's father appearing in court, really cutting a, a forlorn figure, a former G4 security company employee. Our delegation is in Tanzania at the moment, but still so many questions lingering around the story. The Midday Report. Now, you may have seen the, the really just terrifying footage of this accident that took place on the N3 highway yesterday. It involved several vehicles, five trucks, eight minibus taxis, 22 light motor vehicles, five people were killed, scores of people injured as well. It was chaotic the scenes so um, because of that the N3 highway on Easter Monday was closed for several hours it has now uh, been reopened it was reopened just before midnight last night many people having to see refuge in Hilton uh, and around the Umgeni Town Hall because that was opened up uh, as a shelter. Today the transport minister is in the area busy inspecting the scene and Frankla Mabaso, KZN EWN reporter is there for us. And Frankla, good afternoon to you. Before we get to, to the transport minister, uh, what does the the N3 look like today uh, and, and is there still any kind of, of uh, impact at all on that highway? Not at all, mainly, but driving around the Sidara area, one can tell that this is not the usual traffic flowing in this particular area. You would usually have traffic flowing, but of course, in different uh, times, it differs uh, at, at times it's slow. But driving in the area today, you could tell that although you may not have seen on the news or read about it, but you could tell that there was something around in the area yesterday, meant. So the transport minister is there today having a look at the situation. What has she been saying? Well, in fact, maybe we are still awaiting the arrival of the transport minister, but we are here with the local uh, government authorities, that is the deputy mayor of the municipality, that's Sandy Lemigati. Uh, we will be um, getting a briefing from the minister about what she has been told by authorities as it stands, but we do know that preliminary reports do suggest that the bad weather, could, bad weather condition with the minister that was here yesterday could be one of, one of the reasons that led to the exit but we do know that soon after the minister gives a word to the media, then we will then visit the crime scene where authorities are still continuing on working in around that area, mainly because they say they're still investigating really as to what could have been the actual cause of the accident. We are also mainly expected to visit various hospitals here, but mainly the Grey Hospital here in Peter Maritzburg. That's where a lot of patients were um, admitted and we do apologize to our listeners who may be sensitive but maybe shortly after that accident we've seen people being rescued from crashed cars some of them heavily bleeding even in their faces maybe you could tell of how much um, uh, uh, people were injured in that particular accident meant sure and do we know at this stage um, how many people are currently in hospital or just the extent of um, you know how, how how many people were impacted by this well, maybe we do know that there's quite a number of them because, in fact, even before uh, I was latched for this interview, I had a word with the government authorities and they say the total number of people that have been uh, admitted to hospital 
has not been yet confirmed, but they do say that it's quite a big number given the fact that they were not admitted just in Grey Hospital, but they were admitted with, in different hospitals around the Umgeni local mm. municipality and until Umkungundu local municipality. So now we do know that those who have died, and yesterday the number was confirmed to be five, it seems as though there's not been any new information or confirmation that the dead toll may have risen since last night. But as we do know, as it stands, we do know that those who are in hospital, it's quite a large number. But we do know that we will, in fact, later by today, have the total figures to how many people were admitted. But when you speak about um, people that are affected, mostly businesses, you can only imagine the amount of trucks that had to be stacked on the entry highway, some driving to Johannesburg, Bumalanga, and the Free State, mm. but have stayed since yesterday afternoon until almost midnight. Nkantla, thank you. Nkantla Mabaso, KZN EWN reporter, expecting the transport minister to arrive there. And so if you see that, that footage and the impact, it really looked chaotic. The weather was terrible as well. An investigation underway into that uh, very severe accident on the N3 yesterday in which at least five people died. The Midday Report. So developments in the city of Joburg, and if you saw the interview that the city of Joburg Mayor, Tepelo Ahmad, did with my colleague Sakina Kamwendo on the SABC, you'll, you'll understand why. Because time and again, we have seen the Joburg Mayor stick his foot in it when it comes to media interviews. And now it seems that this is having an impact on relationships with Alliance partners. Action South Africa, uh, Action SA wants to file a motion of no confidence in Mayor Tepelo Ahmad. But crucially, also, we're seeing the Patriotic Alliance uh, coming out and saying that perhaps they erred here. And we know the Patriotic Alliance, um, Gaten McKenzie, uh, were instrumental in the fact that Tepelo Ahmad was elected into that position in this alliance between Al Jama, the ANC, the EFF, and smaller parties, including the Patriotic Alliance. So Gaten McKenzie tweeting saying, uh, it looks like we may have made a mistake here and we need to take responsibility for that. Stimbelo Majola is the Action SA City of Joburg caucus spokesperson. Stimbelo, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Action SA wants to file a motion of no confidence in Tepelo Ahmad. When do you plan to do this and why? Good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners. So we this morning we did file a motion of no conference against the executive mayor of the city of Johannesburg. It was submitted to the speaker's office today. And I want to I want to um, uh, mention that the motions of no conference that we, we filed are not just on the executive mayor, but it's also on the on the speaker of the city of Johannesburg. Who else is it against? Um, it is against the executive mayor and the speaker of Johannesburg. So the two motions, we filed two motions. Oh, so there's two separate motions. Yes, there's two separate motions. And Stambela, when do you expect this to be heard? Um, We're expecting that this will be heard um, on the uh, the council meeting by the end of this month. Okay. So So by the end of this month, we're expecting that the city of Johannesburg may have a new mayor with, with 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 a vision for the city and not what we have. Um, currently. So the catalyst for this, of course, were the very controversial comments um, that Ahmad made about the fact that he claimed that there was a 9.5 billion rand loan that a private company offered to the city and there was this conversation around interest which didn't make too much sense. Uh, is this the, the primary reason why you're bringing this motion of no confidence or is it broader than that? 
It's more broader than that, uh, but that's one of the reasons. Um, just to touch on, on, on other factors, the, the mayor has been in office for close to three months now. He hasn't been able to lay out a vision for the city. He is leading a, a, a group of mayoral committee members that he has no grip on. You really, these, are, these are people that come in with bigger numbers in the, into the coalition than the numbers that he brings. So we don't think he's got the credibility. We've seen him in, in a couple of interviews um, where he's you know, shown that he's unable to uh, communicate with the residents of the city of Johannesburg. And having seen all of that, it, 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 it's, not, it's not easy for us to believe that he has a vision for the city. He has tried a couple of times to explain what he may, might be working on, but it, it just makes no sense. We've met with the residents across the city. We meet, the, we, we, we meet the, with mm. them um, on a daily basis, and they are complaining about the status of right. the city of Johannesburg. Stembelo, thank you. Stembelo Majolas, the Action SA City of Joburg caucus spokesperson. The Action SA has filed two motions of no confidence in the Speaker and the Mayor as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Dipilo Ahmad as Mayor? Do you think it's a matter of that he just needs some media training, that maybe he hasn't been sufficiently prepared for this position, and that's why every time he does a media interview, there's a faux pas and it ends disastrously. Um, do you think that he is capable to be the Mayor of Joburg, or do you think as an Al Jamaa councillor, minority party, he should not be in that position? The Midday Report. Well, let's go from Joburg to the city of Twane now because large parts of, of Twane were without power um, because unstable electricity pylons fell uh, over the weekend. They fell onto the N4 highway on Sunday after criminals allegedly stripped the metal protecting the high-voltage cables in the Twane. So a team was assessing the damage. They were plotting the way forward. Let's see where we are with that now with the city of Twane, Mayor Siliers Brink. Uh, Mr. Mayor, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. What is the extent of the damage from these pylons that fell on the N4 highway and are there still areas that do not have power? So in short, the extent of the damage is massive. Uh, To give you an idea, 300 megawatts of electricity supply was knocked out by the collapse of these pylons. Seven of them, upon closer inspection, it would seem that there has been tampering, interference, attempted theft, attempted stripping on at least three of them. That is the, that is the impression upon inspection. Um, but the damage goes beyond just the collapse of the pylons. Obviously, they had to be severed to open the N4 as well as Solomon Maslangu. And then there had to be testing on the substations to see if there was any secondary damage because you can imagine that, uh, that a, a breakage of that nature uh, might, might cause uh, further damage. So uh, enormous extent, the municipality itself does not keep that number of pylons in stock. Uh, And so we have requested the assistance of ESCOM, which is being provided. ESCOM is on site. They are assisting the city with with sourcing temporary structures. And when I say temporary, it's sufficient to, to lift those cables off of the ground and to reconnect the electricity supply. Unfortunately, Mandy, uh, because of various issues that still need to be clarified, I cannot give an estimated time when all of this uh, will be done.
So let me make sure I understand this correctly, that you actually need new pylons. So you need new great big structures to hold these cables off the ground in order for those areas to, to receive and for electricity to be restored to those areas that are affected. So you need a structure to lift those lines up because, as you know, they uh, traverse uh, highways, roads, um, bushy terrain. You, you, you have to lift them off the ground. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a basic uh, requirement of, of restoring the supply. Uh, but realistically, from the advice I receive, and Mandy, I have to emphasize I am not an engineer or the person managing the situation on the ground. I have to rely on the advice given by city engineers that there is uh, a, a, a single pole uh, solution as an alternative to the pile-on, uh, which ESCOM has also recommended be used. ESCOM has confirmed that they've got uh, stock of, of this particular uh, pole, the structure. So no, the short answer is no, we, we, we aren't going to leave the situation until the city has pylons. There is an alternative structure okay. which is being worked on. I just can't confirm exactly how quickly it can be sourced and installed. And this is obviously requiring uh, enormous cooperation with the parastatal, with, mm-hmm. with ESCOM and the city. Um, and how is that going, Mayor? So, a very good indications. Um, at the outset, I did two inspections yesterday on site. I met uh, ESCOM's maintenance person, but obviously you've got to follow formal channels. And so yesterday, the city manager formally reached out to ESCOM uh, requesting uh, assistance. Uh, late last night, uh, the office of the electricity minister, Sputra Ramachopa, reached out to my office to ask if there's any assistance that they can uh, give, and we referred them to the city manager's letter. So it would seem that cooperation is going very well. I think it is in everybody's interest, including uh, our our monopoly supplier of electricity and Swane ESCOM, for, for this damage to be repaired uh, and, and for the areas affected to be restored, especially given the fact that we are the capital city mm-hmm. and that uh, an extended and, and large-scale power outage of this nature has an effect on, on national government as well. Yeah. Uh, and Mayor, just lastly, um, it does seem as though this occurred because criminals uh, stripped the metal that protected the high-voltage cables in the tower. Uh, who ultimately is responsible for um, securing these these towers? And do, are, are, are you aware if the police are investigating? Are they ensuring this doesn't happen again? So uh, just to be clear, it is a very strong suspicion that the proximate cause for the collapse of these pylons was interference, a criminal attempt to steal or to strip or even to sabotage. But what I still want to see are the maintenance schedules of those pylons. When last have they been inspected? What was their state at that particular time? Uh, Because obviously my job is to ensure that there's proper accountability and that this doesn't happen again. As for uh, how do we ensure that the electricity infrastructure is secured, it is an enormous task because as you might have seen on the the videos that have been done by security companies and so forth, this is an enormous area that is covered kilometers and kilometers in Mm. bushy terrain, much of it uh, not accessible even by 4x4 vehicles. You literally have to, as they say, walk the line. And uh, we will have to employ uh, um, technology, uh, um, you know, drones and so forth, uh, we simply cannot depend on, on manpower. We, we cannot depend on personnel to inspect these things every day. Uh, the second aspect of it is we'll have to cooperate with police. When I was there on site, I did meet some police officers 
who were investigating the case from Prime Intelligence. We'll be following up on that case, obviously. Mayor, thank you very much. Uh, that's the City of Tuani Mayor Salias Brink with an update there on the impact of those pylons, high voltage cables in those uh, in those pylons. Uh, it looks like the the metal was stripped off them. The pylons collapsed on the N4 highway, and of course, there's a huge impact in terms of power supplies. So that's an update for you in the City of Tuani. The midday report. Hi, Mandy. Um, I hope people realize that this these coalitions and the disasters of these coalitions in these municipalities is indicative of what's going to happen in 2024 when we have to deal with coalition government um for me i was hoping it would be sort of a clear cut either anc or da for instance but i don't think that's going to happen so I think people should just get ready for more of the same disaster when we have a coalition government. Good day, Mendy. Yet another chaotic situation about this coalition, Mendy. Ahead of the most important 2024 uh, general election. As voters, Mendy, where do we go from here? Because it looks like it's a chaos after the chaos is the emotion of no confidence after another. Oh, cry my beloved country from Maxwell in Pretoria. I'm not surprised that people are feeling a bit uh, just disillusioned with coalition governments. And it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. We do have the situation in Joburg now where the Action SA has uh, filed a motion of no confidence in the mayor and the Speaker Patriotic Alliance. Uh, Gaten McKenzie tweeting earlier today that it looks like they backed the wrong horse in Tapelo Ahmad. So there's going to be more upheaval. And I think that you know this is all part of the experience that we're going to go through where um, coalitions are, are messy. They are messy. They do work in some countries though so they can work we just need the politicians to to get on board as well i do want to give you a quick update uh, on the lead story that we've been speaking about nandipa mahuramana's father appearing in court today and a former g4s security company employee they've been charged with murder and that is significant, the fact that they've both been charged with, with murder. It's not for assisting with uh, the escape from prison. It's a charge of murder that Nandipa's father is facing. So that's a very, very serious charge. Uh, I imagine it has to do uh, with the body um, that uh, was the body that was in the fire in prison. Um, so uh, that's significant, the fact that Nandipa Mahurumana's father has been charged with murder. The Midday Report. Five people appeared in the Alice Magistrates Court today, a breakthrough in the investigation into the murders of the University of Forte's fleet manager, also of the Vice-Chancellor's bodyguard as well. Police Minister Becky Kele also uh, was in court today. And uh, Professor Sakela Bokhlungu, the VC of the University of Forte, has been speaking to journalists at that court appearance. Have a listen to what uh, Professor Bokhlungu had to say about some people connected to the university. Let me clarify it very clear. It's no secret. Mr. Bongani Peter, was, he was mentioned now, he was the fleet officer at Fort Hill. He's on suspension for corruption, but then he's been also held for these for this murder. In fact, for, for both murders. I think the, the police have made that point. So he worked for the university. Uh, that, that's very clear. And for us, it is uh, a shame that one of our own who gets paid by the university, who has a job, who has responsibility, 
not only has he been stealing, not only has he been stealing, siphoning money from the fleet department, but also he has been planning the murder of some of us. That's one. The second person who was connected to the university, again very important, is Mr. Kuz is it Kuza? Mr. Kuza. Mr. Kuza retired from the university about four years ago. And as, as a matter of fact, I'll say this, just to kind of spice things up. He was someone that was well respected. So on the day before his retirement, I invited him to have tea in my office, just to chat. You know, an employee, respectable, respectable person. We sat and he chatted and so on. Unbeknown to me, he was brought back by Mr. Peter. A few, a few, about a month later, he was brought back. And he carried on. While Mr. 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 Roots was killed, he was already back. And we trusted him so much that he was the only person privileged to drive the Chancellor of the University. Back and forth, airport, hotel, to graduation. That's how we trusted him. But on the day Mr. Roots died, he played, he played sick. He didn't come to work. And unbeknown to us, but now we know that he was busy planning the murder of Mr. Roots. That's, that's, that's the second person. The, the other person, Mr. Mulawa, is connected in a different way. A former student of the university runs a, 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 moto, a moto repair shop behind the university. What was happening then, he was getting business from Mr. Peter. He was getting business from Mr. Peter. And therefore, anything where, when there were blockages, that's when you got things like this. And, and I, I think it's very, very, very important to understand, and I've made this point also, that Deptist... Professor Sakele Bukhlungo, the VC of the University of Forte, explaining who exactly these people are that are appearing in the Alice Magistrates Court today. EWN reporter Sipa Kema is there for us as well. Sipa, good afternoon to you. Uh, tell us about this court appearance today. Well, I mean, um, as you can hear from what the VC had said regarding... Um, you know, the three of the five suspects are linked and tied to the university, two of them being former employees and one actually being a former student. I think that was uh, the biggest take from this court appearance uh, today is those shocking evidence that are brought uh, forward. But of course, from what we heard as well from the minister and the national commissioner, Sani Matamola, is that they are expecting more suspects, they're going to arrest, make more arrests uh, based on some of, you know, the, the, the violence, the corruption that came about at the University of Forte. So uh, it seems as though it, there is a long list of people to get through from our understanding and uh, the briefing that we had after the court appearance with the minister and the commissioner, of course, and together with uh, the vice chancellor of the University of Forte. But of course, as you know, Mandy, this today was the first appearance um, and uh, they were just sorting out the legality um, you know, getting the, the suspects that will go forward, um, seeing if they actually do have legal representation um, and so that they could file and uh, make a formal application for bail. Um, I think the four of them had actually opted to use legal aid. One of the suspects will be using their own private attorney and the case has been postponed for the 4th of May for a formal bail application. And I think um, what had, the minister has also said, as well as um, the, the, the commissioner of police, Fani Matamola, is that 
even though they are expecting more people to be apprehended, they're hoping that this would actually be a start uh, with the five to show that um, the police are actually doing work on the ground, trying to get these suspects and the people that have been involved in some of these um, you know, assassination plots against the VC and some employees mm. from the University of Forte. Sipa, thank you. Sipa Kema, EWN reporter in the court for us today. Five people appearing in the Alice Magistrates Court. A breakthrough by the police. They have uh, t- taken those uh, five into custody, all to do with the murder of the University of Forte's fleet manager and also the murder of the vice chancellor's bodyguard. This has been an extremely concerning situation. The fact that we have seen this level of, of violence and bloodshed um, as uh, as there's been this clampdown on corruption at the University of Forte. The police minister, Becky Trele, and the National Commissioner in court today as well. Significant there, the police doing good work. Now they just need to make the conviction stick. The Midday Report. So I've been watching uh, with some horror on social media as the director of the Helen Sussman Foundation, Nicole Fritz, has been receiving really scary threats on social media directed at her, uh, threatening her, saying uh, one Twitter user said, we are watching her, we know where she stays, we'll deal with her. And this is all because the Helen Sussman Foundation is one of the parties that has brought a challenge in the courts to Home Affairs Minister Aaron Motsuledi's decision on the Zimbabwe ex- exemption permits, the ZEPs. So that matter is being heard today. There are three separate applications being heard in the Pretoria High Court. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, is watching this for us. So, so just explain this to me, Bernadette. There's three separate challenges, but they're all being heard by the same court, right? Yes, they're all being heard by um, the same full bench sitting in the Pretoria High Court, and it's going to be sitting throughout the course of the week. Today and tomorrow, we're hearing the challenge from the Helen Sussman Foundation, and then later in the week, we're also going to hear two very similar challenges from the um, Zimbabwean Exemption Permit Holders Association and the Zimbabwean Immigration Federation, which have which have both brought very similar applications. But the relief is different, right? They all want different things from the courts. It differs slightly. Um, initially, uh, one of the applications uh, was seeking some sort of interim relief that now appears to have to have fallen away um but the relief yeah it does differ very slightly but ultimately it's all really aimed at the same thing at having this decision to terminate the zdp program um reviewed and set aside so who's opposing this is it just the home affairs minister um so it is the home affairs minister and the director general of home affairs as well as um a trucking organization which is also intervening um in the in the helen sussman foundation's challenge and they're also opposing this and they obviously have some concerns about sort of the jobs that they feel like are at risk yeah is this seen very much as a, a last ditch attempt because we've run out of road uh the zdp permits have do not have any options we know that there's has been this postponement um, of the expiry date uh, uh, kind of period. Um, so is this is this it now? Yeah, so really um, the initial grace period was supposed to extend until the end of last year. That's now been extended until um, the end of June this year. Um, and this, unless these challenges are successful, really it's the end of the road. As you say, people who have been living here and working here on um, ZDPs, some of them for more than a decade, would have to, if they can't get some sort of other visa or permit, if they aren't um, able to get, for example, a spousal permit or a critical skills permit, they would essentially have to go back to Zimbabwe, a life that they left behind, like I say, in many instances, more than 10 years ago. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, watching uh, that court application, three separate court applications being heard.
heard in the Pretoria High Court today uh, from the Helen Sussman Foundation, other organisations as well as they challenge the Home Affairs Minister Aaron Motuledi's decision on the Zimbabwe exemption permits. The Midday Report. The Life of Sedimeni inquiry set to resume today. Can you believe this is still going on? It's been going on forever. Uh, so it was set to resume today with uh, potentially the testimony of Kaidani Maklangu, the former Gauteng Health MEC. Uh, there were concerns that there could be a postponement, though. Let's check in with Nokokanya Mtambo, EWN reporter. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. Did things get underway or has it been postponed yet again? Good afternoon, Mandy. There has been yet another postponement to the proceedings in the Life Epidemic Inquest. It's now expected to resume at the start of next month on the 2nd of May. Now, uh, the former MEC uh, for Health in Gauteng, Katani Mashango's lawyers, haven't been paid their legal fees by the state's attorney until now. And so they say they, ha- they haven't been able to prepare for proceedings or haven't been able to prepare to lead Katani Mashango's testimony today. But as a result of uh, the, the non-payment by the state attorney, they do expect that that matter will be finalized uh, before the matter comes back to the court on the 2nd of May. But should it not be resolved, they are threatening to withdraw the legal representation of Kadani Mashango. She is uh, being um, afforded uh, state legal fees uh, because she is a former um, state official, but there is still a concern from the side of the families as to why, even though she resigned back in 2017, when that damaging report came out implicating her in the death of the 144 patients, um, why she is still being uh, paid for by the state. Uh, and the families, Mandy, more than anything, are again frustrated by this process being drawn out yet again. Uh, but we will have to then wait for the 2nd of May for proceedings to resume where we do at that time then expect for Katani Mashango mm. to give testimony. Nokokanya Mtambu, EWN reporter, following that story. Can you believe that the Life of Sedimeni inquiry has been going on forever, yet another postponement again until May because issues over legal fees? The Midday Report. A quick question here. I don't think uh, I understand. Now, every time these people are put into positions, mayors or speakers, and then they are taken out of these positions, are they still getting the full services in terms of salary and the benefits all this time? Because now it seems like we are just going to be putting people there and they'll be just collecting the money. Hey, Mandy, uh, it's Andrew here from Centurion. I would disagree uh, with the sentiment that coalitions are failing. We constantly hear about three, and yes, they are three of the major coalition or three major cities where the coalitions are constantly at, at squabbles with one another. However, there are over 40 coalitions in other cities that are working. Always good to have some optimism. Thank you for that. Yeah, we do need some perspective sometimes. Uh, there are instances where coalitions have worked extremely well. Um, Helen Zilla often references the, the coalition uh, under the Democratic Alliance in Cape Town as an opportunity where, where it has worked. And if you look at uh, Germany, for example, there are, there are instances where coalitions work. We just need to learn how to get them to work. And there needs to be some kind of uh, ground rule. Um, John Stenhausen, of course, has been talking about this moonshine shot pact uh, going into the next election as well. The IFP has been responding to that. Uh, so we do need some perspective when it comes to, to coalitions as well. So thanks for that. The Midday Report.
The Department of Water and Sanitation have been holding a briefing session for independent power producers on how to apply for water use authorizations to utilize water resources and water courses as well, how to generate hydropower as an alternative uh, energy so that we can deal with the available electricity situation. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, has been at that briefing today. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Uh, Tell us about this, this briefing session for the independent power producers. Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, you are right. The Water and Sanitation Department is having a briefing with individuals and companies that are interested in working with the government to use uh, water resources to generate renewable energy. I mean, of course, this is to mitigate the current electricity crisis by using um, other resources other than coal um, to add on to the electricity grid of the country. Now, Mandy, what has been highlighted in the briefing today is how the power producers can apply for water uh, use authorization, which will be done in several phases, which include pre-applications where the IPPs uh, um, will have to undergo vetting processes to ensure that they meet the necessary requirements and these pre-applications are set to open on the 17th of, 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 of this month, Mandy. So the IPPs will use hydropower technologies such as floating and kinetic uh, floating uh, solar panels and kinetic turbines to generate renewable power and this will be uh, done at DWS uh, dams and river systems. So today was all about guiding IPPs on all the relevant processes to follow in order to to be granted the license to use water resources to generate power. I mean, of course, mainly this is sort of long overdue because uh, we have been using windmills, you know, generating electricity or power from uh, wind. So uh, the, 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 the one for the water energy, uh, the usage of water to create uh, renewable energy is quite, quite long overdue. But let's hear what the Director General uh, Sean Phillips of the DWS had to say. Yes, it is long overdue, but better late than never. And also it's become feasible now that there have been recent changes in the regulatory environment um, so that you can have much more embedded generators and independent power producers. So we're responding to those recent changes in the regulatory environment for energy production. Uh, We will ensure that the water infrastructure like the dams isn't negatively affected through a very vigorous um, and rigorous um, water use license application process. Um, So we will look at the designs, we will look at the proposals that, that the independent power producers have. Thanks to Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, with that update. The Department of Water and Sanitation holding a briefing session for IPPs, the independent power producers, on how to use water resources. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.